I believe if done properly and safely, history shows your home can be looked at as an investment and part of your total estate portfolio. Didn't think you had an estate. Yeah, it's not just for the rich people who live in the Hamptons or Downton Abbey. I don't think it's safe to buy and sell houses like cryptocurrency unless you know what you're doing, just like with crypto. Now, is there a happy medium to co-mingle your safe retirement savings plan with your home ownership plans and get you into a home sooner than you think? Hell yeah, what do you think I'm going to talk about in this episode? What is up? Welcome to the How to Buy a Home podcast. I'm the host, David Sedoni, the self-proclaimed How to Buy a Home guy here on How to Buy a Home podcast. It's the indisputable number one leading authority podcast for first-time home buyers. Now, is that because I'm so awesome or because most realtors don't really care about first-timers and would consider this a colossal waste of time? I don't know. I don't care. But for my ego, I'm going with the whole awesome thing. Well, if you're new, welcome. Thanks very much. So let me explain to you how this show works. It's uh, Friday night about 7.20 p.m. And because I'm such a baller and have such an influencer lifestyle, I'm here in my big dark office while everyone else is gone out in the world tearing it up. And I'm here to discuss the financial nuances of retirement planning. Can I be more boring? So to try to prove to you Well, you know, who am I kidding? I'm not trying to prove to you. I'm trying to prove to myself, trying to prove that I'm not a floor monkey. What's that? You don't know what a floor monkey is? I looked up loser on Urban Dictionary and discovered that a floor monkey is a synonym for a loser, as in someone at the club who has to dance on the floor instead of hanging out in the dope VIP bottle service area. And by looking that up on Urban Dictionary for the podcast, I think I proved my point that perhaps I am a loser. Okay, today we're going to start with some totally random thoughts. There are some nuggets of wisdom in here for you, but I'm going to wrap them up in a fun little way. I've got tons of notes in my notes on my phone or voice memos every time I think of something that I'd like to share with you guys out there. And of course, every time I'm working with a first-time buyer, run into something new and I'm like, oh, I should share this with everyone. They're nuggets of how to buy a home wisdom truth bombs of love. And some of these are actually going to be some listener questions and comments. Now, after I do a few of those to prove to you that I'm not a complete floor monkey, I will get into the expanded version of today's topic. Using your retirement payments like your 401k in creative ways to expand your wealth and doing that by maybe you getting a home even faster than you think without sacrificing any of the safety or security that you desire. I'm no risk taker. I'm not trying to sell you some get rich quick scam seminar. I don't sell squat. The goal here is to educate the masses, not to be messes. Okay, first, random deep thoughts. I saw that this old SNL, a little quick hit video series, it's making the round on TikTok. They're called Jack Handy's Deep Thoughts. I don't know if you've seen them. It's, it's like a, it's an old thing from the SNL when I watched when you were not old enough to stay up that late on Saturday night. 
it's like a picture of a glowing meadow or, you know, some serene scene. And then there's some random thoughts that scroll by with a mellow voice. And the voiceover guy will say something like, it's actually a writer on Saturday Night Live. His name was Jack Handy. That's why it's Jack Handy's Deep Thoughts. So he'll say something like this. To me, clowns aren't funny. In fact, they're kind of scary. I've wondered where this started, and I think it goes back to that time I went to the circus and a clown killed my dad. See? Now you got to picture the music underneath it. It's like a piano. So now some of you Gen Z and millennials are going to get the pure joy that we Gen Xers got originally on Saturday nights. Here's my own how to buy a home deep random thoughts to start us off. So don't expect punchlines at the end. At best, you're going to get awful dad jokes or an obscure 80s reference. These are more random than deep. Here we go. Hear the piano in the background. And this first one actually isn't even for me. It's from a listener, Madison, one of my first time home buyers. Now she said this, get a unicorn bubble and budgeting all day long. That's how you buy a home in one sentence. There you go. Deep thought number one. Deep thought number two. Now, this one's going to get me in trouble with some realtors, but I don't care. Some realtors won't show homes offering low commissions to a buying agent, even if it's the perfect home for you, because you are a transaction to them, not a relationship that will grow and last forever. So they just want to squeeze as much juice out of you as they can in as little time as possible. You're like a lemon for their halibut. All right. Deep random thought number three. This one came when I was working with some first time buyers and uh, one of them was a fireman and I asked him a question. When you're a new fireman, you spend countless weeks and months training at the academy before you even get the job. And your first year on the job, you have to be a year behind a captain or a senior guy. And by that, I mean a year you have to follow someone right behind them before you go into any fires. It's a mandatory probation period after you've already busted your butt for a long time at the academy. You never go into a fire by yourself. Not for a whole year. You're right behind a captain or a senior firefighter. The city doesn't think that's a good idea for you to go in by yourself, but the real estate industry does. They send rookies out with almost no training, no long academy period, no probation period. And that's funny because the number one phrase you hear from realtors about all the difficult things that happen when a home is under contract is that they're putting out fires. And our final deep thought before we get into our topic, that those of you who got on here to find out about the retirement plans, you're what, six, seven, eight minutes in and pissed off. Here we go. Fight or flight is a human emotion, and we are ecologically programmed to avoid pain. So as technology made us soft, you rent, and your rent sucks. But do you feel the pain every month? Here's a tip to help feel the pain, to help motivate you to the reality of the wasted money. Make your rent payment difficult to do. Stop the auto payments that you don't really think about. Make it hurt. Ask your mom or your dad what a checkbook is, and then each month, write a check. Feel the money oozing out through the ink in your pen as you write a check and remember to write in cursive. 
Hell, pay it with a money order. Drive to a sketchy part of town and make it scary like Grand Theft Auto. Spend the extra time and energy and money to make it feel super painful. Once a month, flog yourself into submission to end this cycle. Okay, moving on to today's main topic, retirement funds and you. Now, this is kind of like a John Oliver episode. We did a little few random topics and thoughts at the start. Now we're going to get a deep dive on one big topic. It's kind of like John Oliver, except I'm not British. I'm not funny. I can't afford Russell Crowe divorce movie paraphernalia. And I don't have a team of writers to help me out. As you can tell by those first few thoughts, huh? We're going to cover this big topic and then I'm going to finish after we go over this with a few more listener thoughts and questions. If you're listening, but you don't have retirement funds, you should, (laughs) but you should start young. And if you do, yeah, I didn't necessarily start young. Not necessarily. I absolutely did not, but I highly recommend it because if you do start young, then you can retire young with a whole bunch of money. You can get plastic surgery and be the coolest mill for Dilf on the block. So if you haven't started yet, you should listen to this and figure out how to start anyway. All right. First, one must understand that any retirement funding is not a savings strategy. It's a wealth strategy. It's not just savings that you don't have to think about. That sounds wonderful. And everybody loves that. If you're doing that, you know, you're just taking 10% of your paycheck every week and putting it in a jar or under your mattress. That's what saving you don't have to think about is. A 401k or an IRA or other tax beneficial retirement funds, those are wealth builders. There's an old principle that I will guarantee make anybody wealthy. If you start young enough and you truly, truly live by it, I've mentioned it before. It's from a book called The Richest Man in Babylon, and it's very simple. You live by the 70-10-10-10 rule. You survive on 70% of your income. You put 10% of every month of your income into savings, safe and secure. You put 10% into investments with a higher growth potential. And then you put 10% into charity. The book believes in cosmic karma and you reap what you sow in all aspects of life, including giving. It leads to a happier, more fulfilling life. But hey, if you ain't about that, rock on. You can go 70, 15, 15 and enjoy your life here on earth. You know, being emotionally fulfilled with material goods, living that soulless life of greed and excess. But whatever, you do you. Seriously, it does feel damn good to have some extra coin to help others out. So, you know, just give it some thought. You don't start with 10. Now, if you do that, the 70, 10, 10, 10, you start young enough, guarantee you're never going to go hungry when you're old and you can't even pick up a fork. That's because you can pay some nurse to spoon feed you galactic super goop or whatever the heck it is we're going to be eating in the future. Wherever you are in your home buying process, you can use this formula to help you get options for when you finally do buy. We're going to talk about options in another podcast someday because that keeps coming up over and over with my buyers. I see this all the time with first time buyers. They scrape up what they can do to make it happen. And I applaud that. That's awesome that you got there. But if you're spending your last year leasing, you can really improve your options by living 70, 10, 10, 10. I mean, seriously, you will be able to have tons more possibilities if you just buckle down and live that way. Now you can adjust the formula any way you like, but realize when you take from any of the tens, then you're losing the eighth wonder of the world. That's 
the time of compound interest. But, you know, maybe if you're buying another appreciating asset like a home with some of your tens, you're still building with a plan towards ultimate wealth. So hear me out on this. It'll make sense. So what does that last 12 month lease look like if you're going to use the 70, 10, 10? Well, it's not going to be 70, 10, 10, 10. It's going to be 70, 10, 18, 2. <laughs> 70 will be your living expenses. You're going to be eating ramen and streaming movies for a year. No more pub crawls or nights at the club. The 10, that'll be savings because I told you this is not a sketchy risk plan. You still would need to do 10 to savings. Now the 18 and two, 18 goes to down payment savings. And two goes to charity because whatever you believe, I don't want you to go to hell or I don't want universal karma to be working against you. Bottom line is y'all got somebody. Your dumb brother or sister or roommate could use a little help. And, you know, deep down, you love them, right? Okay, you want to go nuts? How about going 60, 10, 28, 2? That's tough because you only got to live on the 60. But if you're doing it with a partner, there's nothing like living dirt poor together for a year or two. And then the feeling of moving into a home, walking around that glorious big space. And it's something you can touch and feel with your hands. Unlike, you know, a retirement spreadsheet. It might not be the mansion that those ridiculous content creators live in thanks to their stupid YouTube channel, but at least you know that your job has more stability than MySpace, right? Whatever happened to Tom? He's probably living on an island somewhere with, well, with his retirement. So speaking of that, let's get back to how to use the 70-10-10-10 with today's topic, your retirement funds and funding. You probably figured out how that fits into it. But if you're funding your retirement, that's going to be one of your tens. And if you're funding a retirement, what's the purpose of doing that? You have a goal. What is that goal? For most, it's grow wealth without having to think about it so you can retire safely and securely. And then you use that money to spend in your old age so you don't have to work until you die. Now, no judgment here. If you want to work as long as you want to, until you die, because maybe you love what you do, awesome. Live a rad life. Do whatever you want. If you choose to work forever, bitching. Then your retirement fund can be for better vacations and to spoil the hell out of your grandkids or your dogs or whatever. You can choose to have all that money and live in a big mansion, but keep working. Or maybe you just take another job, be a Walmart greeter in your golden years. Mostly just to have a bitchin' people of Walmart Twitter account when you're like 78. So the goal is to fund retirement without having to learn to play the stock market or become an investor, you know, because those things can be risky. Some of them have historical simple ways to do it, but maybe you don't want to deal with all that. Maybe you don't want to learn all that. You just want a nice, simple, safe retirement. So what age is it that you want to retire? Is that 10 years away? 20, 30, 40 years away, whatever it is, there's the safe and practical retirement strategies. And they work on using, you know, anticipating a 3%, 5%, 8% annual return on your investment so that you can use the aforementioned eighth wonder of the world, not me who said that, that was Einstein, compound interest. This works. And I completely agree with. Anyone out there starting early 
using a 401k or another traditional retirement planner. I'm down. Now, later on, I'm going to give you a little secret because uh, it can work better than the traditional safe, safe way, even without buying a home. And it's still safe, but I'll get into that a little bit later uh, from somebody else smarter than me. Not my idea. Okay. So your retirement done in these traditional safe in investments in a historically proven way for you to not have to work until you croak. All right. It's a fund for your future. And for most of you, your home is going to be that too. Historically, it's going to go up and you will gain equity by paying the mortgage monthly, just like you gain returns and dividends on your retirement and savings when you put them into a 401k or an IRA or something like that. It's that simple. So let's discuss how to maybe diversify your 70, 10, 10, 10. The tens are not all into one retirement or bucket or piggy bank or whatever image works for you. All right, each 10, whether it's saving, investment, or charity, they might go into a few different places. Many people, they like to use the safe, no thinky auto contribution systems. You know, 10% goes right into a savings account, 10% goes right into the 401k, and then maybe 10% goes to your absolute favorite charity. Well, some of you might be taking that and spreading it out a little bit. So let's take a look beyond that system of the auto pay. Okay, as we move into this, if you're starting to question the division of the tens, remember the source, that's me. I'm the source. Was that not clear? You know, at first, I didn't understand this stuff at all. I learned about it, then I implemented it, and then I made it my life's goal to educate people on this. Notice, if you ever listen to my podcast, it's a real estate podcast, but I don't ever preach about flipping homes, how to invest in homes, or how to build wealth buying other real estate. I get it, that works, but that's a completely different thing, and I don't want to confuse anybody. I preach, hey, you already pay stupid rent, so why not get an appreciating asset that you need that's going to go up in 20, 30, or 40 years as you own it, and you can use that to build your wealth. So before you poo-poo me, speaking the unthinkable about perhaps diversifying your retirement away from the safe stuff, let me ask you this. How much do you really know about your retirement savings? Do you know how it works, or is, do you just sock it away without thinking about it and trust someone to manage it for you? Well, when it comes to adding wealth by subtracting rent and adding a home asset, I feel pretty good about having a numbers nerd off with anybody. Those are the things I know. So, like I said, I know it. I In this part, I failed at it. And then I tried again, and now I'm teaching others how to do it safely with very little risk. So if you're socking money into that monthly retirement, you believe in the numbers of owning a home, think of contributing to your home as another long-term investment. Here comes what's going to sound like the Risky Scam Investor Seminar Sketchy Advice. But this is it. This is the whole meat and potatoes in one sentence. Decrease your monthly retirement contributions and put that money to increasing your monthly housing payment. Bam. That's it. I know. You're freaking out. Breathe. Hear me out. Okay. 
The philosophy behind this is all you're doing is diversifying your portfolio. The only difference is you will actually understand this part of your portfolio. Come on. Do you really comprehend how your 401k works? Or do you just put in a monthly contribution, let the money management company handle it? And thank God you don't have to figure that crap out. Most of you do it this way because you got a lot going on in your life and you just want to be safe and you want to know that it's going to pay off. So you just do it that way because that's how it's done. Now, don't get your spanks in a bunch. I applaud you for doing it that way. A no thinking contribution is quite often the best way to save and maybe even grow your wealth. But if you really want to grow wealth, the numbers matter. And the big numbers we're looking at here are very simple. Break it down to this. Wasted money on rent for years and wasted years of home equity appreciation because you didn't get started earlier. Oh, and uh, don't forget, you get to live in this monthly contribution. Yeah. So here's the breakdown for you. If you put $1,000 a month in your retirement funds, what if you diversified that contribution by splitting it into a retirement fund and a home payment? Now you run your numbers and you realize that for the next 30 years, you're going to get a 3 to 4% return on a home investment. By the way, and this will be a fixed monthly payment that you already make, but your rent payment isn't fixed. It moves. Okay. So you diversify your $1,000 into $500 to retirement and the remaining 500 that you would have put in your retirement. Now you put towards a higher monthly housing payment. So when you're looking at the numbers of how much you can afford a month and you think, Ooh, that's too much. Well, now you got 500 more, so you're not going to feel that pinch, but you can start owning that home earlier, which builds you more wealth. Now, if you're in the beginning stages and you haven't even looked at homes yet, you haven't even talked to a mortgage broker to understand how much $500 a month in payment can buy you, do this. Go to Zillow right now and look up. Well, don't, don't. If you're driving, don't do this. If you're working out, don't do this because you'll look silly on the treadmill. Go to Zillow right now and look up homes in your area at one price. Not the for sale homes. Listing prices don't matter. Look at the sold prices in the last three months. Okay, now do the same search and add 90,000 more to the price. That's how much more a home you get with an extra $500 a month put towards the payment. You're upping your quality of life. You're upping your ability to buy. And if you believe in the numbers, you will understand that you're not taking away from your retirement. You are simply diversifying your retirement portfolio and with that diversification, you actually get the benefit of living in part of your retirement fund for all those years before you retire. If you consider your home at least a 10-year investment, then you can think of it part the same way that you think about your 401k, period. It's safe, it's not sketchy, and you get to enjoy it while you're young or younger because you're eventually you can keep enjoying it as you grow. Okay, so that's when you buy. What about before you buy? Can you use the same theory? You betcha. Don't be afraid to fund your retirement a little bit less at the same time as you're trying to save up and funding your down payment savings account. Because eventually, both those pieces all go to the same place. 
your future wealth. So then we use the same principle. So now you can do something like this. You do 70 to live on, 5% to your retirement, 23% to down payment savings fund, and 2% to charity. So that's using your monthly contributions as a way to use your retirement funds to diversify how you are growing your wealth. Now, this next piece is using what you've already saved, whether it's in your 401k or your IRA, to fund your down payment. Now, why on earth would you ever want to do that? You hear terrible things about it. Oh, you're taking away from your retirement. Oh, there's going to be tax implications, blah, blah, blah. All right. For all the reasons stated in episode 57 about buying now or waiting, as well as 40-something episode where I said the same thing, again, realizing that the podcast lasts forever, these formulas were created at the end of 2021. This could be different in the future, but buying now instead of waiting, it's probably still in your favor, depending on how far in the future that you're listening. In fact, this part where I talk about utilizing your 401k and your IRA to help fund your down payment, it's a creative solution back from the uh, how to financially plan for buying your first home. This is from episode 22 in July 2019, pre-pandemic. Now, if you took this advice back then and you did what you thought was scary and borrowed from your 401k or your IRA, well, even through a freaking global pandemic, You'd be up in your house. Big. The median home price back then was 268000 Today, 375000 $107,000 profit for making this move and paying your mortgage just like you paid your rent. Now, I'm going to do a little side note here. If you're new to this, do not think that I'm saying Hey, buy a house, you're going to make $107,000 every two years. Woohoo! Okay, do the math. Wherever you are, if in your area, you're closer to $300,000 for a house or $600,000 for a house, whatever it is, I'm not saying that you're going to make two or three or $400,000 a year every couple of years. That's not what I'm selling. This period caught a good run up in prices. Know your history, know your math, and compare that to the historical long-term math of a 401k or an IRA. Even in the average years of home ownership, you're still going to be matching, if not exceeding, the 401k and IRA returns. So the way that you do that is you borrow against your retirement funds to get a down payment. Something that mathematically makes sense in a rising housing market. Now, for this piece, I ask you to consult with a tax pro and your money manager. But most of the pie, most of the time, depending on who the money manager is, they have different programs. But most of them have the programs that work with these numbers. It's not necessarily a simple formula that everybody understands or comprehends right away. But I've had buyers do it for 15 years. The numbers are this: if you've got a 401k. Most money managers are going to allow you to take 50% of what you've got in there or a max, and usually that's up to a max of $50,000, and you can pull it out as what they call a non-taxable event if you're using it to purchase your primary residence. So if you're using it to buy a home, you can get up to 50% with a max of 50 k So you've been saving 
It's there. It's there for your future. And it's the same principle as reducing your contribution monthly. You're just diversifying your long-term retirement investment and gaining wealth. That money you have, it's gaining wealth in the stock market. But now you're going to be gaining wealth in the stock market and the housing market while eliminating, no, no, not eliminating, you're replacing your largest monthly output, your housing payment, and you're putting it into something that grows wealth as opposed to into something that you get no return on. It's that simple. Talk to your money manager, talk to a tax pro or get a tax pro and talk to one of them. Now, the tax penalties, that's the biggie that everyone freaks out about. This is another example of people being afraid of either old philosophies or people now just being afraid of stuff they don't know. Retirement savings, it's not a horror movie. It's not a script with scary monsters lurking in the shadows. There's not a dude with a hockey mask and a knife waiting to stab you with an IRS form. No, for primary residents, most don't get a tax hit or penalties if you pull early from the 401k or other retirement vehicle, if it's going towards your primary residence, they encourage you to do this. I know it seems too good to be true, but think about it from the money manager's point of view. They don't just do this out of the kindness of their heart. They realize homeowners are 45 times wealthier than renters. They know that. So they encourage you to get out there and buy a home, get some stability. So then you'll have more money later. You'll give it to them to manage, and then they make more money off you. They let you touch the untouchable 401k without penalty. The IRAs I was talking about, they've got the ability to do this too, but it's at lower numbers. Usually, and again, check with a pro, but usually it's like about a $10,000 cap. And just because I don't know, doesn't mean it's not worth for you to explore it. That's what I've heard from other people, but tax laws change every single year. So it could be different by the time you're listening to it. Traditionally, there's a 10% early withdrawal penalty, but that's not there if you're using it for a home purchase. There are restrictions and, and there are some taxes you still have to pay, but like I said, I'm not a tax man, but isn't it worth a call to find out if you can just get a little extra money that you already have saved up without a huge tax penalty instead of having to eat ramen and mac and cheese every day for months and months and months while you save up your down payment? All right, let's ponder this thought together, shall we? Do you log on to your retirement account, your savings account, your investment account, and look to see how it's doing? Cool. Well, if you diversify and use some of this for your primary residence, you can keep doing that, but with a little bit of a twist. Now you can look at the computer screen or look on your phone and you can track your investments while you're lying in bed and sleeping in another one of your investments you actually get to use it. What are we all trying to do? We're all trying to figure out how to do the best we can. And if we really think about it, heck, we're trying to figure out how to beat the system. Now, your greatest tools to beat the system are two things, knowledge and leverage. If you've got a 401k and you don't have a bunch of other investments out there, you don't have a bunch of gold lying around your house, you're not invested in crypto crazy currency, you might want to start thinking about diversifying. You might want to beat the system that way. Knowledge of how to do that and then leveraging with low down payments, it's a great way to do it. Play it smart. Get into the game while the getting's good. 
Now, I got to give you a little bit of a grandma and grandpa alert. Do not try to discuss this with anyone. Well, I would put the minimum at 10 years older than you because they're going to freak out. Definitely not 25 or 30 years older than you. Understand that potentially you've got 50% of your 401k. Now, that's tax-free without penalties, and you can use it to diversify your own long-term wealth. Don't fear it because conservative old people frown on it and look at you funny. The key is it was different back then. And yeah, so here I am. I'm the 51-year-old dude today banging on the old generation, not understanding how insane it is to try to get ahead right now. I'm on your side. Everyone has to be creative now. People before us, they didn't have flat salaries versus the cost of living. They had increasing salaries. They didn't have outrageous student debt, and they didn't have these super low savings rates. When, you, when they put stuff in a savings account, they actually got a return. But hey, that's not today. Not in the 2020s. Here we are. And it is what it is. It's time to adjust and be ready to forge a new path towards financial freedom. All right. Now, speaking of 401ks and retirement, I'm going to do that quick little side note I mentioned to you earlier. Some people hate doing this and they hate thinking about having to save for their future. It's like car insurance. Look, I just listened to Flo or that little Geico lizard and I just picked one and I don't want to have to deal with it. You blindly sock it away because it's an easy way to feel safe and make you feel like you're adulting. Well, if you've done that, if you don't really understand how it works, but you still feel like, you know what, someone else take care of it and I feel better. Take the weekend off social media and or live in your best life. And do a little research, a little reading. I highly suggest a book called Unshakable by Tony Robbins. I know, I've said this before, I know. You're still like, seriously, dude. Tony Robbins, the motivational guy, the guy who was banana hands from the 2001 Jack Black Gwyneth Paltrow movie that possibly should be canceled now in the 2020s for fat shaming. Yeah, yeah, that guy, the motivational dude. Now, It took me, someone I really respect, telling me that he had some legitimate financial advice before I would even believe it. Even then, I still had to listen to him being interviewed by this guy, Gary Vee, who I really respect. And I discovered through the podcast that, that, you know, this guy had some incredible insights, mostly because they weren't Tony Robbins insights. It's not a diss on him. The dude's just genius and smart enough to interview the brightest minds in finance and share their wisdom. So this book blew my mind. There is so much money being wasted and not used correctly and not building as much as it could in traditional 401ks and traditional money managers. It's a total game changer. I recommend it. Unshakable. It's on Audible. It's awesome. Okay. End of the side note. Okay. We're going to wrap up this episode with one more random thought. And then finally... I'll give you a little listener comment and question. Random thought. I was listening to a local podcast and a local, really famous radio show host here in Southern California. She said that she rented for $3,000 a month for 13 years in LA. And now because you can do radio remotely, she's going to be moving to buy a home in Maine. Oh man. If I was doing this podcast 13 years ago, maybe things would have turned out a little different. Her friends and family all told her that renting for that long for three grand a pop was the dumbest thing she ever did. And, you know, I'm not here to judge, but let's give some numbers, okay? If you own a home for 10 years, you're always going to make money. 
Housing's going to go up and down. The worst crash in history happened in 2008. It took four years and then it started to come back. The worst crash in history, 2008 and 2012, housing came back. Why? Because people got to live somewhere. So 13 years ago, if she moved to LA and rented for her first year, paid the rent and then saved to buy in 2009, bought a home. Sure, it would have sucked for the first three years because her house would have dropped 20%. But over the last 10 years in LA, uh, real estate has appreciated 114.72%. So even if you suck in math, you can figure out that dropping 20 and going up 114.72, she almost doubled her money. But because she never looked into it, she's taking her savings and buying now in Maine. Now, there's nothing wrong with moving away from an expensive area if you want to. But moving away from an expensive area because you have to, that happens when you keep paying that expensive rent so you can live your dope life. Rather than working the formula, maybe having a little bit of a downgrade and to start saving for a down payment and buying something maybe a little smaller than you would like. And you could start putting that $3,000 a month towards an appreciating asset that will allow you to move up in the same expensive area because you're getting equity in the home with each payment instead of just a monthly rental. Now, in her case, double whatever she paid in 2009. Okay, so it, it probably would have cost seven fifty dollars in 2009. And then it would have dropped down to about 600000 over those first three years because it dropped 20%. Well, that means she could have sold it today for $1.2 million. <laughs> she would have bought historically one of the worst times ever on paper. And yet today, she's going to be moving to Maine with just her $3,000 security deposit. But even at the worst time ever, if she'd bought in 2009 for $750,000 with 5% down, the home would have dropped 150000 to 600,000, but then it would have gone up 114.72%. That was, I said 1.2. Well, here's the exact math it's 1,288,320,000. She'd only have a loan left of 550 because she would have been paying for 13 years and would have paid down 200,000. So at the end of 13 years, because she rented the whole time, she moved to Maine with a $3,000 security deposit. Minus the cleaning fees, of course. Don't forget about that. Instead of selling the home, paying off the loan, and having a profit of $738,000. All right, now don't think I'm judging. How could I? I did the exact same thing in LA in the 1990s. That's why I started the podcast. If this sounds like you or maybe you're heading this way, or maybe you don't want to start heading this way. Let's get you off that train. Okay, now let's get to this listener question that I just got the other day and I thought it'd be fun to share with you. The listener says, I never understood how houses are bought. What's a mortgage? What's a lender? What is LTV or PMI or any of that stuff? No one ever told me how to buy a house, so I just figured it was super hard. But your podcast explains it right out of the gate and puts it into the most simple concrete terms. You need a certain percent of the cost of the house in cold, hard cash, and that's it. There's credit scores and PMI and all kinds of stuff, sure. But at the end of the day, that's the basics. 
I literally thought, dang, how will I ever afford a $350,000 house? How will I ever get $350,000? Yeah, now that's taking it back to real basics. She thought she'd have to figure out $350,000. No, no, no. We can, we can work that out. Okay, then we'll go on to question number two. Then she asked, could you please send me the doc that explains the tax breakdowns after owning a home? Okay, now in some of the early episodes back in 2019, I did talk about increasing your deductions on your W-4 style paycheck. You know, that's where all those little acronyms, all those little initials, they take out a certain number amount for your taxes. Now that's based on how many deductions you claim when you first fill out your tax form. Most people claim zero or one, but there's a whole system that you can use with your tax pro to figure out how much more you could actually get with each check if you had a big annual deduction to offset it. And your mortgage interest, that payment that you make every month, that's mostly interest at the beginning. That's a pretty hefty in those first few years. And it's one of the ways that you can increase your deductions, get more money back every single month. Now, again, I did explain this in some earlier episodes a few times. Now, the tax laws have changed with a standard deduction. So you got to check with your local tax pro or unicorn mortgage broker to see how the new laws are going to work for you. But most people, last time I checked, it was under $750,000 primary residence. You can still get at least up to $10,000 deduction. And you can apply that towards your annual refund. Or if you and your tax professional work together, you can spread it out so you can get pieces of that monthly. So you get a bigger paycheck all day long and that new payment doesn't freak you out. And then the next question she asked was, could you send me a super unicorn referral for someone in my area? Well, that's just a beautiful segue, isn't it? Some listeners do indeed use this information from the podcast to find a unicorn on their own. And that's super rad. That's totally why this podcast is going. I'm just throwing out the free knowledge to you and hoping that you can help use that to find pros who care. I want you to beat the system and not get screwed. As word has gotten out, as podcast has been on for a few years, a lot of my unicorn friends, other great realtors in the United States and Canada, I started matching them up with listeners. This year, we've had 48 listeners find a unicorn and buy their first home. And then I had another 16 that reached out to me and were in Southern California, and I didn't sleep for most of the summer, but they all closed on a home too. So it's totally up to you, your call. Listen for free, take the info, find your own unicorn on your own, make it happen. Or you can reach out to me and we'll see if we got a unicorn in your area. As of October, 2021, we are up to 180 unicorns all over. Find me on Instagram at David Sedoni. That's where you can shoot me a DM and I'll get back to you. If you want to laugh at me, TikTok at how to buy a home guy. But if you want to do contact me, the best way is davidsedoni.com or howtobuyahome.com. There's a contact form on the bottom. Fill that out. I'll hook you up with a unicorn and you can try them out. See if it works out for you. Now, this listener said one more thing. So let's get into that. They said, I make pre-tax $47,000 a year. And I'm seeking to buy a home in the one seventy-five dollars to $200,000 range. Maybe more contingent on the tax breakdown. She doesn't want to be house poor and still, while they're still attending school, just graduated with their associate's degree in accounting. <laughs> this should be easy for you then. And I'm on my way to achieve my bachelor's very soon. Cool. 
Okay, well, let me give you a very general breakdown with those numbers. Miss Accountant person, $47,000 for $175,000, $200,000 home. This is really, really basic. It takes way more than this to get the actual number. I'm just doing the basics. All right. You can't figure this out by just clicking it on an app. You got to get everything you know to a mortgage broker. And this is just assuming those basic numbers were not taken into account. History of employment, the amount of debt that you have, credit scores, along with a bunch of other things. $47,000 breaks down to $3,900 a month. $200,000 home with a 5% down payment will cost you about 10 grand at closing. 3.5% down payment and about a percent and a half in closing costs. Okay? So bringing in $3,900 a month, put 10 grand down, get a $200,000 home, and your new payment is $1,250 a month. Now, $1,250 happens to be 32% of $3,900. That is right in line with the guidelines and income qualification that you need to qualify for a loan. Ta-da, that's it. So she's trying to figure it out. There it is. Boom. The basics, you're real close. So instead of wasting time, get out there and figure this out. Now, finally, the listener said this, and I'll see if any of you can relate to this last part, she said. The gushy parts. That was her words, not mine. Your podcast is amazing. Oh, thanks. That was me again. Get back to her. I started looking into home buying after our devil of a property manager has been giving us and our neighbors such a hard time. I just popped into Apple Podcasts searching home buying and yours was the first one to come up. Shout out to all your followers for the great ratings and reviews. Ooh, another awesome segue. Hey, you out there with me in your ear holes. If you haven't already, please, please take five minutes and write a five-star review. I'm one dude out here trying to change the world one listener at a time. If you do that, more folks can find us. Please give a review if you got five minutes. Okay, back to what the listener said. I didn't think I or my family would be able to purchase a home until much later in my career. Now, that's obviously based on the salary that got going right now. I love your podcast because it's honest, encouraging, and engaging. Your passion for what you do is so apparent, and I've been binging it for the last week or so. I say you can do this with you at the end of every podcast. LOL. Well, you know what? That's great. Sounds like a great way to end this episode. Okay, everyone's, I'm going to have you all say it with me, including this listener. I've got a little secret here that might shock some of you. I used to be a dancer and I'm married to a choreographer. So I'm going to count you in like a choreographer would. Okay, we're all going to say it together. Ready? A five, six, seven, eight. You can do this.